I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. So, are you ready to talk about some slow motion? <laughs> I'm ready to talk about a former football coach that was in a shot on video film. Oh, wait, is that not the right Michael Shanahan that's in this film? No, oh, that's a different no, it's not the right one. <laughs> Even though half of the dudes in this movie look like they came from the NFL. <laughs> Which is an interesting little side note that uh, we may discuss at some point. Ooh, way to tease me. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of buff dudes that like hanging out with each other. Yeah. And not like hanging out with the women. Kind of noticed that, especially Dime Store Lionel Richie. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun, Mark. Uh, well, folks, here we are. Welcome to Astro Radio Z number 120. We're here. Mark and I have come back. I hope you have your VCRs ready. We're ready to jump back into the shot on video well with David Pryor's Sledgehammer.
Now, half of the reason I do these episodes is because I always enjoy finding out what Mark thinks about these really strange, obscure shot on video horror films. Now, Sledgehammer has the pedigree of possibly being and we we have kind of debunked this back in our um, previous episode with Boarding House, is Sledgehammer sometimes is acknowledged as being the first direct-to-video, shot-on-video horror film. Now, Boarding House is a weird story, and we kind of discussed it, where you know it was shot on video, it was held back, it was blown up on 35, released that way, and then put back on video and released... So it is the first shot on video film, but the reason Sledgehammer, I think, gets the notoriety is I believe it was actually released before Boarding House. Um, let's quick do an IMDb check I'm here. Already um, there. Boarding House was uh, officially released according to IBM on January 14th in 1983, and Sledgehammer doesn't have its release date. <laughs> it says 1983. So we're talking about two films that essentially came out almost exactly at the same yeah, time. Pretty much. So, uh, but in, in weird ways, they are similar. And in weird ways, they couldn't be further apart if they tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, David A. Pryor, if you guys aren't familiar is well known as being a Z-grade action schlock director. Him and his brother, Ted Pryor, made the immortal Rambo ripoff Deadly Prey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is, quite frankly, one of the most hilarious fucking movies ever produced in the entire world and entire annals of cinema. At some point, I would love to do an Astro Radio Z episode on Deadly Prey. I'm not going to talk about the sequel that they made before uh, David Pryor died yeah. a number of years ago, Deadliest Prey. If you want to hear my thoughts on that, go to Junk Food Dinner. Uh, I did an episode with those boys where I picked that movie and regretted it because it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's awful but uh at some point i think we'll do an episode on deadly prey because it's one of my favorite shit oh, films yeah. of all time but tonight um we're talking we're going to be talking about david Pryor's first film his first shot on video horror film which is a slasher film sledgehammer now mark did you know anything about this going in absolutely nothing i like a lot of these shot on video i'm i i maybe recognize the name, but I knew nothing about this film. So having said that, <laughs> have you been familiar with David Pryor's work prior to this? Uh, well, deadly prey. Yeah. Uh, you know, we watched that like, one night when we were just binging movies on rabbit. Uh, so I think that's the one that I recognize for sure. Well, you've probably seen like uh, the future force death chase, um, Killer Workout is another one that he's done. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking down his uh, his pedigree here. They're ones that I have run across on uh, cable in that when I was when I was young and uh, watched a few of these uh, Jungle Assault, I think uh, Rapid Fire. Yeah, Future Force. 
yep, I, I, I've seen some of these. Uh, I didn't realize it was him because back in the day, I didn't really notice the names too much. I was just like, oh, look at this. <laughs> Cheesy. Well, and they also always they they could have had millions of pseudonyms that they went under. I mean, a lot yeah. of the Italian dudes always had pseudonyms, had like four or five different names. <laughs> and I'm not sure if Pryor ever did, but it wouldn't have surprised me if his mm-hmm. movies would have been released under different names at all. Yeah, I mean, that's we, just the kind of thing that happened. Yeah, well, you know, they didn't necessarily want their names attached to it or they're doing something completely different than they've got a rep for, you know, so uh yeah or you know alan smithy so there you go <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know if david Pryor ever was necessarily embarrassed of any of the things he did he definitely embraced the fact that he made low budget exploitation he didn't really dive into horror mm-hmm. all that much i mean sledgehammer is definitely one of the harder films that he had made. And uh, it was the first one. And I think the only reason, if you listen to the commentary track, because Sledgehammer was kind of lost to obscurity for a long time. And then Intravision put out this insanely awesome DVD a number of years ago that had like three commentary tracks, one commentary (laughs) track with David Pryor before he died, in which he basically, I mean, the person that that got him to do the commentary track almost had to like goad him into actually talking about the goddamn movie. It's it is one of the weirdest commentary tracks where it, the guy's asking him questions like, I don't know, man, I don't remember. I don't remember doing any of this. Oh, Jesus, you're, you're asking me 20 years later. I have no idea what happened on set. And then eventually by pestering the son of a bitch, he started like talking about it. And um, this movie was produced. He he wanted to become a director and he made this film uh, a horror film just because he knew it would have a really easy pop mm-hmm. and be sold very easily within the stores. Because at the time there was a slasher craze. You had the Jason's, you had the uh, Halloween's and you had all of the subsequent knockoffs that were happening, the prom nights and all that shit. So David Pryor figured what would be the easiest way uh, for me to get into the film business than making a cheap slasher film. And if there is a plot that could be discerned, from Sledgehammer, <laughs> which is quite frankly one of the most unique slasher films you'll probably ever see. Um, mostly because if you put it on double speed, it would play out in real time. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Um, it's the story about uh, this young boy who is locked in a closet while his mom is attempting to get her freak on. She's having an affair with a dude and also a married dude. And they go away to this house that's in the middle of the woods, this red house. And she brings her eight-year-old kid for some unknown fucking reason (laughs) and says, you little son of a bitch, get in that goddamn closet. I want to hear a damn word out of you. Just like the mother of the year and locks him in this closet. And then she proceeds to go out with Mr. Don Juan in a silk, you know, uh, smoking vest. And they, they start kissing and rubbing each other and telling each other how glad they they're fucking over their their spouses and how they put the little brat in the closet and they're ready to get their fuck on. And all of a sudden, the little brat comes out 
and smashes the dude in the back of the head with a sledgehammer and pummels them both into fucking piles of goo. Well, you don't know it's the kid for sure. Oh, who else is it, Mark? <laughs> I don't know. There's a supernatural element in here. So who the hell well, knows? It wasn't. At, but at that point in the film, which this is just the, the prologue. That's true. There is no supernatural element to this movie whatsoever. It's kind of just setting up the history of what the killer who we'll just call Sledgehammer, um, the because in the credits he's just listed as killer, sure. but you might as well just call him Sledgehammer. Um, what his backstory is, so that when he gets introduced into the film later, you kind of understand the pathos behind why he's doing these things. If there's even a possibility of explaining <laughs> that kind of thing with this movie. So, anyways, fast forward ten years, mm. and there's a group of quote unquote teenagers <laughs> more like college students that are on the far end of the college spectrum i mean these are obviously 30 year olds like all of them every single last one of them um there's like three or four couples the dudes are all ripped and shredded obviously jocks and the girls are all trip trim and fit and sexy and they go out to this uh cabin this red house in order to have a party and eventually at one point the lead male of the group ted Pryor, david Pryor's uh, brother who would subsequently be the star of deadly prey the guy who ran around and cut off jean shorts and you know oiled up chest killing random people in the middle of the woods um he's mostly shirtless in this entire movie he decides in the midst of, you know, um, food fights and pouring alcohol all over each other that they need to hold a seance, <laughs> and, which is, as we've discussed in the past, Mark, is always the best idea when you're having a party, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, when I get together with friends in a uh, location that has a reputation of having some kind of mysterious killer. I just want to have a seance because I got to know what the spirits know. You know, yeah, I, I got to I got to bring that dude back because, you know, he's got some goofy ass shit and stories to tell. Right. Well, yeah. And, and I think he's also, <laughs> you know, he likes staring at the house for a long time because. Uh, we get some really freaking long establishing shots throughout this movie. I'm sorry uh, that, you know, you're you're happy the seance is happening because something is happening. But yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, this is a defining trait. And we'll get into this more after we get we finally get through this plot synopsis, which I'm surprised is taking me so long because there's really no plot to this thing. Um, a defining trait of Sledgehammer is that the vast majority of it takes place in slow motion. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to break your, your plot synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not. Don't feel sorry. I mean, this is a, an important point we need to bring up, Mark. <laughs> this movie is an hour and 24 minutes long. And a good 50% of this movie is played out at half speed. Is this? Oh, so all this plot that I'm describing literally takes place over the course of the entire film. And it's just a bunch of people go out in the, into this cabin. They hold a seance. Then all of a sudden, the sledgehammer killer comes back, starts 
popping all over the house like Jason in fucking Jason goes to Manhattan for some unknown reason <laughs> and kills them all off with a sledgehammer. It is one of the weirdest fucking movies um, I've ever seen, mostly because not because of the plot or the conceit, but because of how it's made and how it plays out. It's a very odd duck. So, Mark, having said all of this, finally watching Sledgehammer, what did you think? It's an odd duck, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> that's one way to put it. I was like, one, one of the things, though, I got while watching this, though, is I saw other shot on video and B films that would come out later after this film. I saw them in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I I was looking at it going, oh, man, those people watched this film. I mean, video violence. <laughs> I'm going in there, but uh, I believe it was. Was it video violence or uh, violent shit? No, violent shit. I'm sorry. Uh, the one where the kids gets locks in the closet in the beginning. Yep. I'm like sitting here watching this film going. I've seen this before. This exact dialogue, this exact scene of a mob shoving a kid in a closet. Only there's no demon in the closet this time, giving him a mask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just an awful fucking mom. Just an awful fucking mom. But I'm sitting here watching going, holy crap. And then and I, I'm going to bring it up and I know it, it'll probably raise some hairs for you. But I'm watching this and when the kids get together, dad, I'm like, holy crap, the people who made Axum had to have watched this. Okay, I knew this was going to come out, Mark. (laughs) I knew at some point because I thought the exact same thing. There's this sequence um, in the midst of this middle section where we have the prologue, where it explains the backstory of Sledgehammer. And then this whole middle sequence of the film, which takes up probably a good like. 50 to 60% of the movie where these people are just partying. And for some reason they're the kind they're obviously like 35 years old, but still feel that it's a good idea to pour beer all over each other's heads and mustard. Yeah. And mustard. Like anybody likes that shit at all. (laughs) Um, But there's a sequence at a dinner table that lasts forever. And all I could think about was flashbacks to Axum. (laughs) And I was just like, I wonder if Mark's going to bring Axum up. <laughs> yep. It's the exact feeling I got when I'm watching this. I'm watching this going, holy crap, this is Axum. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> like this dinner scene is Axum. The only thing that's missing is that, you know, they've got uh, bread and hot dogs or whatever ver- and beer versus, you know, chicken dinner. Uh, but yep. it's pretty much the exact same type of feel. I mean, the audio and the way it's shot and everything. I'm just like. Wow. But yeah, watching this, I picked up bits and pieces where I could see other films borrowed from this movie. So there's a lot of interesting ideas. And like you said, odd ideas that you could see the influence if you if you've watched enough of these, which you, you've you uh, taken me on this journey so far and I'm picking up on it. I'm like, yeah, with this being one of the first ones, you can see how people borrowed ideas from this one you know uh and and i just love though the fact that we get that opening bit with him getting in the the closet and everything and about oh half an hour later or it was a 40 minutes later whatever they do the seance we get the exact same (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing, Mark. It's just like, oh shit, we're padding now. We're watching the entire intro again. I thought at least you know maybe they show a clip. You know, it'd be like a an abridged version of it. Like, okay, no, it's the exact same <laughs> opening clip. It's the entire fucking scene. Almost it is. Like, oh, man, really? Really? <laughs> well, that's I mean, that is a major complaint. I think a lot of shot on video fans have or most people that watch Sledgehammer is that nothing happens for the vast majority of this movie. And, it, and the reason is, is because I think he shot it so quickly. I think it was shot in seven days. Wow. And he only shot the bare essentials. And then I'm sure when he got into the post aspect of this film, it was like, oh, man, I only have a 45 minute film. What the fuck am I going to do? Let's make everything slow fucking motion. <laughs> so there's there's pluses and minuses to that that decision. Um, the minuses are. The entire middle section of this movie, <laughs> because you're you're hanging out with a ton of, you know, stock characters that aren't acting like kids are trying to act like kids obviously are in their 30s and are obnoxious beyond belief, mm. non-actors. And you're dragging these sequences in which they're talking about just nothing just absolutely nothing out to the breaking point mm -hmm. because there's sequences like, like Ted Pryor goes there. He's there with his girlfriend and they're kind of in the midst of relationship turmoil because I think at one point he had asked her to um, get married and now he's getting cold feet and she's kind of confused as to what's going on. And he's like, babe, I still love you. I just am a little confused right now and want to get my head on straight and make sure we're doing the right thing. He wasn't, he was She's speaking, like, he was speaking for the audience. Cause I had no idea what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm just, no, <laughs> I can totally understand I, that. I just watched Mostly that segment and with the audio too. I'm just like, what, what does he need to get his head around? What, what are you talking? Why are we sitting on these two? And what are they talking about? Okay, we'll get to it later. And we never get to it later. It, nope. It's a total, like they have that little moment and then they proceed to walk around the house because there's characters like that go up to him and go, Hey, I just want to check this place out and make sure it's on the up and up. I'm going to go walk the perimeter. I'll be back. And he, the one guy who looks like a, a linebacker for the Oakland Raiders back in the day, walks around the house in slow motion. Ted Pryor and then his girlfriend proceed to then have a tall grass slow motion sequence where they walk together with real light piano music playing in which he essentially pulls her hair. She almost spills her beer and then she put, he puts her in a half Nelson almost. It's like, what the fuck is this? And it goes on for like 10 minutes. The slow motion sequence of them just walking. This is a perfect example of what half of this movie is. I love, I love the random. You talk about the linebacker guy. I love the random 
no purpose whatsoever journey into the tool shed. <laughs> that, and, Wait, that has this ominous music playing. <laughs> There's this ominous music playing, and he's in the tool shed, and he finds something, but it's not shot good enough to where you can really tell what he finds. And he's pulling on it because it's stuck under this table, and you still don't know what it is. And as he pulls it, it gets blurry, and they freeze frame and go to black. And you're like, "What the fuck was that?" You know what it was? The sledgehammer. Yes, it was the sledgehammer, okay. but you would never fucking know. You would never fucking know because there's a huge sting and then it goes to the next scene and you're like, what the fuck was that? You don't get to see him pull it out or even look at what he pulled out. You just bloom. And so you get this blurry of this heavy guy and some kind of thing he pulled out from under the table and you go to the next scene. You're like, wait, wait, what was well, that's because this movie, it, it doesn't give you any explanation as to what happened after that opening prologue. You have no idea what happened to the kid. All you know is that the parents or not the parents, the mom and the lover were totally smashed to bits in a pretty gratuitous, gratuitously violent sequence. Mm -hmm. I mean, when the kid smashes that dude in the back of the head, a skull caves in and brains come out. It's fucking awesome. It is. (laughs) It looks pretty fucking awesome. But then after that, there's no explanation. So you don't really know what happened. Is the kid still there? Is he grown up? But it doesn't seem that way. It seems more like there's an ominous supernatural presence within this building. And the reason you you have that feeling is because and this is a big part of why I think ultimately this movie works for me. I don't know. We'll get to whether or not you ultimately liked this later. I don't want to know yet, Mark. Okay. but why this movie works for me is this score that is played over this. If this movie did not have this really dark kind of droney score that plays over it. This would literally be one of the most boring movies ever. There's there's no doubt because there's no indication at any point that any of this, we should feel anything towards any of this because the vast majority of the movie, as I said, is a bunch of idiots that you don't care about just kind of acting like they're kids on a getaway, I guess. I mean, let's let's go ahead and talk about the characters in this movie. You have these uh, these three couples. And then this drag along friend of theirs. There's always got to be one dude that doesn't have, you know, an accomplice. Well, yeah. Doesn't have a woman with him. Yeah, it's so always, he's always the third wheel. It's always the odd odd man out. You need that one odd man out. So. Yep, you need that odd man out. The dudes, for some reason, are obviously all jocks. They're ripped. I mean, these guys are fucking built. They're always partying with each other, and the women. <laughs> are always like, hey, I'm here. Aren't you going to fuck me? Yeah. But, I mean, well, they don't say that, but it's essentially what's going on. No, they do like, say dudes. that. The, the girlfriend of <laughs> Dime Store Lionel Richie, for crying out loud, they never established why he won't get into bed with this blonde who's pretty much throwing herself at him. And you're like, are they playing an angle that he's got the hots for like one of the guys or something? All I know is, is that that hair is perfect. And it, what does he not want to mess it up? I don't know, but it took her for like ever apparently to bed this guy. <laughs> I'm like, 
Well, did you get and I mean, we could be reading pretty deep into this. Did you get the underlying theme that potentially this movie is really about closeted homosexuality? Oh, yeah, I got that tone. I, I, I will say there are a few scenes in here where I, I got that kind of vibe from it because the guys are, you know, we all have buddies who are really close to and all, but these guys seem really close. And yeah, you know, you've got heck, you've got the killer coming out of the closet at one point, but um, and he seems to take out um, the guys first as well, uh, which I guess is a good strategy. But yeah, there, there's, I, I don't think we're reading too much into it. There's an, there is an undertone of that thought or that, that possible theme going on with these, because, you know, you, you, you've got uh dimester Lionel Richie, who for some reason, who we never learn, just was really hesitant of getting, you know, he doesn't say, Oh, I'm saving myself for marriage or whatnot. He just, he just, for some reason will not get with her. And apparently we learned through dialogue in a scene that really served no purpose outside of getting the women in their underwear. Um, <laughs> and it was after the food fight, which I'm sure you were, you were really disappointed. I, I was, I was, I'm like, what you set up the food fight specifically just to get these women in their underwear. Didn't you? Didn't you? Anyway, so they have a discussion about Dead Briar fucking pours that whole thing of mustard all over her head. I would have been so fucking pissed. I was waiting for I'm like sitting there going, This is not realistic. She would have just she would have laughed. She would have called him a number of names and just walked out. I'm like, damn. Uh but you know, they're having the discussion about sex and and uh, you know, we got our, our middle girl who's like, Oh, well, you know, and then the other one's like, Yeah, I can't even get the second base. And then you got the one who's saying, Oh, he just he is uh, you know, all the time. And I'm just like sitting here going, Yeah, but none of the guys really at any point in this film, you truly feel like they have emotions towards these ladies. At all, or even have any sexual chemistry with them. Yeah, any type of romantical, emotional, or sexual chemistry with any of these ladies. It felt like they were all just a group of friends and no one was really a couple. And in fact, there were a few times where I'm sitting there going, wait, is she with him or him? I'm not sure because we never really established that. This guy's being a kind of an ass to her, but he's got his arm around her. So maybe they're a couple, but I'm not sure because <laughs> it's never really established at all anywhere where where the dynamic was of the group. And so you, all you knew was the guys were really buddy buddy, especially uh, uh, Ted Pryor and the odd man out who end up staging the seance and, and which ended up being a, you know, a joke, if you will, a prank, a la like April fool's day type of thing. Um, or Friday the 13th part two or right. any number of other fucking slasher movies. Right. You know, and, and you find that, but the way he's broken up over dude, you know, finding the blood and dude getting killed in that. I'm like, wow. I'm like, <laughs> you know, man, <laughs> I I, th I really think there's something to be said about this, and and it's I don't want to diminish the fact that um, Sledgehammer, a, a cheap shot on video <laughs> horror slasher film, 
has subtext to it. I really don't know if it was 100% intentional or if it was just so inherent in the slasher formula that all of these movies tend to be about repressed sexuality and violence due to it. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of the film where the little boy is shunned and thrown in a closet so that the parents, the adults can get their fuck on for him to then translate that energy into violence and, and murder. Then we have a, a group of, of people that for some unknown reason, as we've described, the boys want to hang out with the boys and not the girls mm-hmm. the whole time. And the women are frustrated and almost pushed into a closet until one of the boys releases a killer hellbent on smashing people with his huge phallic sledgehammer. Mm -hmm. Nothing going on here, folks. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I, I really think slashers in general, the vast majority of the theme of any of them in uh, maybe, you know, I, I, I know that the vast majority of people that were making them weren't trying to make sexual allegories. You know, they weren't Mm -hmm. trying to make metaphor type films, but it's inherent in the formula. Oh, yeah. Because it's always some dude with something looking to penetrate into something else. Mm -hmm. That is what a slasher movie essentially ends up becoming. So anyways, so we can get past all this nonsense of dudes having contests about shoving entire sandwiches into their mouth and and, in. Pound shotgunning beers and and uh, having amazing Lionel Richie mustaches and all this other nonsense. They have this uh, seance and they bring back the sledgehammer killer. Now, from this point in the movie on, all bets are off. And this becomes one of the strangest, most stream of conscious, like weird fever dreams of a movie that you're likely to see not only in the shot on video realm, but in horror in general, Mark, when, when it started, when the sledgehammer killer came back, did you like the direction that they took where this confined space that they were in this house ends up almost becoming a labyrinth for some unknown reason, because the killer comes back and he's not really a corporal being. He is kind of a ghost, a spirit, that's transporting itself from room to room and changing the layout of the house to confuse its guests and making people teleport within rooms and confusing them. Like almost like there was a rift in time and space and he brought those people into it. What did you think of how this was handled and how it broke free of the traditional slasher kind of formula? It surprised me, especially in a film like this um, because it's, it's, uh, it's a chance, you know, it surprised me. I'm like, oh, we're we're doing a supernatural angle on it. I did not expect that. You know, I expected, you know, older kid to show up. You know, I figured he because when you say, oh, they never found him. I'm like, oh, OK, so, you know, he's coming back, you know, years later, he's been hiding out in the house or whatnot. And but then, you know, he did the first teleport thing or teleport in. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, and then the sledgehammer's there and then it fades away and and suddenly, you know, it, you see a kid, 
you see the kid rather than an adult. And then there's the adult. It's like, wow, this thing just, just went totally, you know, like you said, stream of conscious in, in a good way. I, I liked that. I, I liked the fact that it surprised me and that they were trying to do something with this film that you didn't quite expect, especially for something from that time. Um, and and it, it took a little bit of thought. Like you said, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that the uh, house, it was hard to establish where people were actually in the house because, uh, yeah, it, it seemed like, like, wait, oh, they've been downstairs the whole time? What? <laughs> you know? Well, the reasoning for that is, I think was a conscious choice on David Pryor's part because this entire movie was shot in his apartment. Mm, Okay. So in order for this movie to feel like it was in a house and it was bigger than it actually was, I think he decided to get creative Mm -hmm. and very thankfully. So because the last part of this film where it becomes the horror film is really strange and unlike just about anything out there. And it's what makes me come back to this movie. The middle section of this movie is is garbage. I mean, it is boring fucking garbage. But once it turns into a slasher film at the end, the combination of the score. Um, it's going to be funny that I'm going to say this. But the way this was shot in the stock, it was shot. He, he paid professional DPs to come out and shoot this stuff on this video stock. And there's a softness to this mm-hmm. that l- lends an air to a more dreamlike state. And uh, as you said, the, the sledgehammer comes out. He's this huge hulking form with this translucent mask that makes his face look all fucked up. Like he's almost laughing and smiling and he's silent the entire time, but he's this hulking individual that obviously is at least six, seven, or above. I mean, this dude is humongous and he's just fading in and out of scenes. Um, Rooms are switching. People are falling and then transporting into other rooms. Um, All of a sudden walls will come up with blood with pentagrams on them and there'll be an altar with people dead on it. Then that'll fade away. And then other bodies will pop up all over the place you don't know minute to minute what's going to happen. All you know is you have this really ominous score that it is so full of dread that this entire last like 20 minutes of this movie is some of my favorite stuff in all of shot on video horror. It is such a weird duck. I mean, did it work for you at all, Mark? Yeah, it worked. And, and you know, like you said, I think it's partly because that middle part, um, it's such a difference from the middle part of this film where it is pretty much just padding and we're, we're working this out to a feature. It is. It, it worked for me. I, 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 like I said, I dug it. I dug the originality of it. I, it uh, unexpectedness. I liked <laughs> it surprised me. They involved the kid within it as much as they did. Um, especially that one scene where the kid is, uh, he's back in the same outfit as the big guy was, and he's standing over the, uh, next to the dead body and Mm -hmm. it's got stab. (laughs) He's stabbing it. And, uh, just a little underlying level of evil to it that, uh, 
oh, yeah. it really worked because they they and and mixing between the kid and the tall guy really worked and and helped get this idea across i think of what he was trying to go for with this killer and its motivation and everything and yeah, I it, it worked for me. I, it like I said, I was almost ready to check kind of out of the film, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> you wait nearly fifty minutes for, for anything to happen in this goddamn movie, so I can understand. This is one of those movies most people aren't going to get into. Just plain and simple. It's just too slow. It, it, the vast majority of people that I've shown this to have checked out halfway through. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like, even when it gets really good, it's still so much of it is in slow motion. So much. But the thing is, it's edited really well. And that's what saves this movie ultimately. And I can't stress this enough. And yes, I'm biased. Editing, editing, editing is so essential and so key that a movie like this that doesn't have a hell of a lot going for it. The, as we've described, the vast majority of it is a bunch of fucking idiots hanging out, pouring beer all over each other, acting like knobs. But when it needs to, this movie is surprisingly effective. It's got great gore, and it's mostly done in cuts. Like when he hits people with sledgehammers, there's a cut there that makes the impact feel visceral Mm -hmm. in which obviously he's not going (laughs) to, this is a no budget movie. He's not going to be hitting people with a real fucking sledgehammer. (laughs) What a deadly weapon to use. Mm -hmm. Seriously. You could really fuck someone up. And there's a few scenes where obviously there's punches pulled and David Pryor's having this epic struggle (laughs) with the sledgehammer guy, which is totally ludicrous. Um, but when all is said and done, I, I always walk away liking the fact that the final act of this movie really kind of like saves the entire thing. So, um, if I were to say anything about this, I would recommend this for the most part for those of you out there that are in not only one into slasher movies, um, like really weird abstract dark movies and it's weird to say that because this is a really formulaic type of film but that final act is just so goddamn bonkers and so fucking out of nowhere that um it's unique and it's not going to be like your your typical dude walking around a fucking hospital with a knife you know cutting people up (laughs) it's not that kind of movie i would recommend it in in especially if you're really into shot on videos if you haven't seen this i'm really shocked if you're into shot on videos because this is one of the granddaddies this we're going through a lot of the granddaddies like the big ones here um to start off with i think as the year goes on later we'll start getting into some of the more obscure stuff um but I think for us to start off and for us to sit and have these conversations about shot on video horror films, we need to talk about these bigger films, the more well-known. It's funny saying Sledgehammer is a bigger film because <laughs> it's one of the most obscure horror movies you're probably going to talk about. But when it comes to shot on video horror, it's very well-known because it's one of the first. And uh, unfortunately, it was lost to obscurity for so many years that I think it just fell out of the public's consciousness. Mm-hmm. 
and it's unfortunate. So um, I would wholeheartedly recommend Sledgehammer. I, which is weird because I said most of it sucks, but I still think it's as a shot on video horror film. It's, it's one of the essentials you need to check out. So Mark, when all is said and done, how do you come out on this thing? Did you end up liking it? Did you end up not liking it? Would you recommend it? I mean, what do you got to say? The third act really did save it for me. It, it made it worth the trip because I, I was going to sit there and go, okay, as I said, I've, we've kind of seen this before in, in movies and, and those movies kind of took the more traditional route in the end of predictability. And this one didn't. So I would recommend it to anyone who is interested in shot on horror, you know, shot on video horror, uh, definitely to look at this one, you know, and also, uh, those making, you know, micro budget, no budget films are interested in it. Look at this film because yeah, uh, while a lot of it is padding, especially that third act where it actually gets into the horror, which is the part where, it's it's one of those films where you get that feeling like this is where they wanted to get to. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, the entire time. There's some of those films where I'm like, okay, this whole movie, the first half was to get to this part. This is what they really wanted to do, but they didn't want to just jump right into this. <laughs> you know, because um, I've watched films like that before, too. We're going, oh, you did this whole thing specifically for this series of scenes, didn't you? Um, you know, you get you get Mike shadows in there. You, you know, you get dialogue. You can tell some of it. Some of the scenes were ad libbed. Um, oh, I think a lot of those scenes, yeah. especially like that that uh, dining room table scene yeah. and the the beer drinking scene where they're partying, that's all ad lib. Oh, yeah. It's got to be. Although I do like the one guy who, for some reason, these kids come out in this van. I'm sorry to break away for a minute, but I have to bring up. They, they come out in this van that looks like it's from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um and it's like a clown car van because they just keep pulling stuff out of this van and all these people on pile. But it's not it must be not their van or it is their van. But they randomly have given it to this old guy who's going to take it. And he says and I quote, I'll have your transmission shift in gears like a woman on her honeymoon night. <laughs> I loved that line. And he drives away and you never see I'm like. Who is that guy? <laughs> like, this is their van, but he's driving away. Okay, whatever, you know. So, I mean, you get stuff like that in the beginning, but it really is a setup for this last act, which if you watch this film, I would recommend it to those who, who are like, like those indie budget, low budget horror as well, because you can see a lot of influence that this film had on later filmmakers just a few years later uh not only in shot on video but in horror in general uh you could tell some of these you know which directors in that have seen this film because they borrowed from it uh, oh yeah you know and and that i think for that appreciation alone it's worth a watch you, you, you got to get through that first chunk don't get me wrong that's rough it, it is rough but the payoff in the end, you'll see a lot of things where you're going, whoa, OK, they, they went there. <laughs> Didn't expect that. <laughs> well, let's be honest. I mean, while we're saying that subsequent films would kind of lift from this a little bit, 
this lifts from a lot of films. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, there's Halloween mm-hmm. throughout this. There's Friday the 13th throughout this. I mean, this is by no means an original piece of oh, work. Oh, no, no. Not at all. But I think this showed people of lower budget films what they could do and they could they they could still get away with that to what the theatrical films were getting you know were doing um and they could still pull it off if they took a little time in that so yeah no i i I fully saw where it borrowed from stuff too like i mentioned texas chainsaw massacre uh you, you know and some of the other shots that you in here you can see where they were going for it but yeah, it's a unique, odd, just un- film that, that yeah, if you're looking for unique and unusual early films, this is one you want to watch because it's definitely different from, from a good chunk of the pack that's out there. Yeah, totally. And I it's relatively easy to get. I think I don't think it's gone out of print yet, but you can find Intravision, put it out on DVD a number of years ago. I have it on my shelf. It is totally worth it if you can get it. Awesome presentation, lots of extra features, lovingly put together. This is the best you'll ever see this goddamn movie. And for a shot on video horror film, man, it's quite shocking. Now, we didn't even talk about the weird toasted effects that are throughout this movie like the intro credit sequence yes the toasted effects i I was gonna say which is unusual because i I was gonna bring up the fact that it surprised me the title was practical (laughs) that is one of my favorite title uh screens of all time it was great because you get these toaster shots and that of the characters and you know it's where i saw oh michael shanahan but then i realized now it's not that michael shanahan Uh, Well, and there's also a John Eastman. Oh, not that John Eastman. <laughs> right. But I'm like, they're doing the toaster effects and graphics. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then he gets the sledgehammer and I'm watching that. And I'm like, it's something that looks a little different to it. And then it actually, you find out it's actually a carved title of sledgehammer because a sledgehammer comes out of nowhere and smashes it. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, it's definitely like a foam core sculpture of the word sledgehammer and it's done very crudely almost like it's caveman uh you know like the way that it looks and it's just dripping with blood there's like blood cascading over it and when it hits it's that again this the score of this movie is awesome i've heard people complain that they didn't like it but for me it sets the tone and makes this movie so much and without that music man this movie would suck yeah it would suck hard <laughs> the, the the music definitely adds to the atmosphere that is lacking visually <laughs> i'll definitely play some of that as we go out here uh for the episode i'll play some of that music because it, it's awesome i love the music the soundtrack to this i mean it's typical synthesizer shot on video stuff so but anyway so Two thumbs up. I was kind of on the fence here, Mark. I didn't know if you were going to really get into this at all. Like you said, I, uh, it was the third act. It, it was it was it going off the rails. I you know, I'm always out there for originality stuff, uh, and it surprises people sometimes. Like <laughs> a little side note, I was on a a, a podcast that was invited on with a, a group of uh, younger 
uh, critics and such, all, all great guys, but we were going through kind of our top 10 from last year. And when I gave an honorable mention to Kuso, and then, <laughs> and then I mentioned, they like, called you a pervert. I go, I, I, yeah, I know. I go, uh, you know, honorable mention to Kuso. And they're like, Kuso, what's that? And then I hear clicking and someone looking and like, I'm watching the trailer now. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I like films that, that, are they're making it to make it and, and they don't care about you know whatever it does to the audience you know and other top film like uh last year at the top of my list so one of them because we all know how i am with making lists but one of the top yeah. was mother which was also another one of those films where people just just hated that film too my brother got a hold of me tonight he texted me did you see this mother movie and i all i texted him was i own it and he's like did somebody dare you? Did you lose a bet? <laughs> it's just one of those kinds of movies. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, I always like unusual. I, I always appreciate when filmmakers are just decide to do something unusual. And this ending, this last act, we can't talk about it enough, is something that you don't see or we haven't really seen out of the other shot on videos uh, stuff that you've brought to me. It just it really goes in a direction where you're like they're trying to kind of do their own thing here and you know their own mythology and everything and, and i gotta give them props for it It was very interesting to see how they pull this off and they pull it off well it's it's some of the best stuff in the film is in the end and it's the stuff like i said before i think they really wanted to get to because they had that planned out i think <laughs> yeah it's cool shit dude definitely cool shit so Having said that, let's look on to what next month's because I think we decided, Mark, you and I decided that once a month we're going to be doing another shot on video horror film. Yeah, it looks like, Mark, next month, the shot on video horror film we're going to be covering and we're going to be watching is Gourmet Zombie Chef from Hell. <laughs> now, have you seen this? I may have. Actually, this this title sounds very familiar. Uh I'll, I'll know more when I start seeing it, but I, I it's one I remember seeing very prominently on the shelves because of that iconic cover. Oh, the cover is fucking awesome. The cover is just freaking awesome. Um, yeah, I think I've seen this before, but I'm not sure. I, I'll know more when I watch it because this is one I think I might have seen, if anything, because of the cover. So... Awesome. But. Well, that's how most people saw any of this shit, <laughs> and which is shocking to me that anyone would see Sledgehammer because its cover is kind of crap, to be honest. Yeah, but it's it looks like some kid drew the cover <laughs> for Sledgehammer. But but Gourmet Zombie Chef from Hell has one of the best covers. I mean, to see that on the video shelf, it was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do you think it's remembered? Because <laughs> everyone rented that goddamn thing. <laughs> So uh, that's what, folks, what we're going to be talking about next month here on Astro Radio Z, Mark the Movie Man, and I on the Shot on Video series. So this is the portion of the show, folks, where my guest shamelessly shows the fuck out of you. Mr. Mark the Movie Man, go ahead and show. Okay, I wish, Shill. Uh, thanks once again, Derek. This is 
always a fun journey to go through these Cheyenne videos of films, ones that I didn't quite venture out when I was younger. And now I'm kicking myself for some of these. Uh, so you can find me on uh, specialmarkproductions.com is where the main stop is, where you can go from there to my YouTube page, Special Mark Prod, or I'm on Twitter's at Special Mark Pro, Instagram, all the social media stuff. But if you go to specialmarkproductions.com, you go from there, you can find all my stuff and my podcast my uh, final cut episodes and uh, yeah soon I'm going to be putting a page up there with some of the shorts that I have on my YouTube uh, you can find them on that website and yeah I get some other things in the hopper I'm working on so awesome always excited to have you on the show Mark I love doing these shot on video episodes with you mostly because I love shot on video <laughs> horror and being able to sit and revisit this stuff Always puts a smile on my face. So I, I totally appreciate you doing this with me every single month. And folks, if you like this show and you want to hear more of it, head over to our Patreon page for $1 a month. You get bonus episodes with me and Mark the Movie Man. <laughs> Usually a lot more filthy, if you can imagine, than, than these Astro Radio Z episodes. And it's a lot more freeform. And uh, for $5 a month, you get video episodes. I just put my first vlog up there. Can you believe oh that? Oh, my Lord. Mark. The Derek Carey. I did a vlog. You did a vlog? I did a vlog. Wow. And the world is still here. Holy crap. It is. It was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had. It is. I, it made me feel very dirty. <laughs> Even during it, during it, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what this is. I, I, I've never done this. This is very strange. Um, that wasn't a seller, folks. For five dollars, you get to see me languish and squirm <laughs> over there. But also for other videos and stuff like that. So go over to the Patreon. It's very minuscule amount of money. Go ahead if you want to contribute. There's almost 45 episodes now sitting there in the back catalog for you to peruse and enjoy. So anyways, until our next episode, folks, have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also... If you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only one dollar a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week Astro Zombies.